right, please help me welcome Helen. Thank you. I'm Helen, a compulsive overeater, and um, welcome to the newcomer, and happy birthday, Zan, for 21 years, and um, thank you, Roy, for asking me to come and share. Um, Let's see, I have pictures. I I don't know what happened to my little album here. I don't know if it got wet or hot, but it kind of blew up, yeah, so anyway, but so did I, so Anyway, um, let's see. Um, I'll qualify first. I've been abstaining uh, from compulsive overeating for a little over five years, and I've been uh, maintaining about a 100-pound weight loss um, through the grace of God completely and utterly because, you know, I don't know how to live my life without cramming food down my throat. Um, on my, uh, at work, on, the, on my computer, I get a daily... Um, you know, thought um, from an, another 12-step program that I go to. And um, one of the things came and it said the thought for the day was, it's kind of fun to do the impossible. And I love that. And I cut it out and put it on my computer because it is impossible. You know, I thought it is impossible for somebody like me, you know, who came from where I came from, where I couldn't live a day without shoving food down my throat to, um, you know, to be these last five years without eating compulsively. You know, that's just a miracle. And, and like I said, it is impossible. And, you know, and it is kind of fun, you know. It wasn't, you know, for a long time it wasn't. It was, uh, I have a cartoon in my um, little book there, one of those great New Yorker cartoons, and it's two fish, and one says, I can't remember exactly, but uh, to tell you the truth, I'm not that comfortable in water, you know, and that's how I felt always, because it's true, I, uh, for a long time I felt extremely uncomfortable, you know, and I'll say in this last year, there's been a big change where I don't feel uh, uncomfortable all the time, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I knew something happened. Anyway, but it really, um, something happened, you know. But um, so anyway, I'm starting to feel more comfortable in my own skin, you know. So that's great, and that's just a gift to this program. But I guess I should start um, at the beginning since I have 45 minutes so you can hear all the, the long version with all the gory details in it. So, um Anyway, um, let's see. So uh, I have, um, I've just always been a compulsive overeater from my earliest memory. Um, I remember binging uncontrollably on sugar. You know, I couldn't get enough sugar. Just real young. I I don't know if the youngest memory I have is three or four years old. And um, just being obsessed with the sugar, and I didn't want, want to eat real food. I just wanted to eat, you know candy and cake and all that stuff and so um and I can remember in kindergarten you know being obsessed with because uh, when I was in kindergarten you know you brought your nickel for milk and then um one a different mom every day would bring the snack you know and just being obsessed with what that snack was going to be that day you know and um 
Anyway, so, and, and I remember the only thing I didn't like was coconut, and I hated those snowballs. And I remember uh, the, a mom bringing those snowballs one day and being just devastated, you know, because I wasn't going to eat, you know, I wasn't going to get my fix that day, you know. So, um, anyway, but, um, so, it's just, uh, and I remember, too, as a child, just, binging on um, cookies, you know, as um, where I made myself sick, cookies, candy, anything I could get my hands on and just becoming physically ill, you know, because I just couldn't stop eating. But, um, um, and again, you know, it was always a battle because my parents were tr- wanted me to eat good food. My mother, you know, growing up in the 50s, my mother stayed home and made healthy meals, you know, and I didn't want any part of those meals, you know, I just wanted to eat the crap, you know, and um, so um, anyway, so it was always a struggle, and I was very thin as a child, and I don't know why, uh, well, I think I, I think my parents were still able to control, you know, my intake uh, pretty much, you know what I mean, like I couldn't just be binging completely out of control, because they had control over the food, so um but as often as I could get my hands on, on sugar, I would be just binging. So um, anyway, and I had other weird things with my food, like I could, wouldn't eat food that touched, you know, um, just weird things like that. And um, my parents are Cuban, so we would eat, they'd make beans and rice, you know, and I mean, things like that. And that was, you know, I mean, all the food touched, you know what I mean? And I wouldn't eat it. And I still remember one time we were going to my parents' friend's house for dinner, and the father was a doctor. And uh, I was scared to death to go to the doctor and have shots. And I remember my mother saying, if you don't eat everything that they serve you, he's going to give you a big shot, you know? And I remember, so we went over there, and these people are Cuban, and we walk in, and what were we having? Beans, black beans? And I remember the whole night being having like a knot in my stomach because I'm thinking I'm going to get a shot because I'm not going to be able to eat that, you know. But anyway, it all worked out. We ate in the bedroom. The adults ate in the dining room, so my mother didn't even see that I didn't eat any of my dinner. So, it, like I said, it all worked out. But um, anyway, so, but there was just a lot of crazy insanity around the food from the, my earliest memory. Um Anyway, so by the time I was a teenager, um, you know, early adolescence and adolescence, it just, you know, because it is a progressive disease, and it just got worse and worse. And, um, oh, I can remember, you know, I used to love to bake cakes. So every week I'd bake a cake, and I'd put, like, these cakes were... Like, I would cram as much chocolate in a cake that you could possibly get. You know what I mean? And um, and I eat the whole cake by myself where my mother would go to the store and buy Oreo cookies, which I loved, and I'd eat the whole bag immediately. So, anyway, but, um, and like I said, as, as a teenager, too, I was very skinny and tall and skinny, and um, I think I was, you know, uh, growing a lot. So, you know, that's why I didn't become obese at that time. I don't know. But I was, like, notorious among my friends for how much I ate, you know. And they'd say, God, you eat so much. How come you're so thin? 
And, um, and I remember, I can still remember the memory of thinking, of fear at that moment, because thinking that I was never going to be able to stop eating like that and someday I was going to get fat. You know, it was like an instant thought in my head. And I knew I was going to because I knew I was never going to not be able to eat like that. So anyway, but, um, but yeah, I just um, ate a lot. And then um, when I was 14, I started drinking. I'm also um, a sober alcoholic today. And so, um, but that's just kind of how I just dealt with my life, you know, eating and drinking. So, um, and, um, and I remember the girls in junior high school, you know, that were so comfortable in their own skin. Junior high school and high school. And I remember these girls and looking at them and just thinking, how did they get that way? You know, and what's wrong with me? Because I just had such a gigantic hole in my gut, you know. And, of course, I didn't know I was supposed to fill it with God. I was trying to fill it with something, with anything, you know. And... um I was so uncomfortable in my own skin. I mean, I can remember just my skin crawling, you know, and and just utterly and completely uncomfortable. And um, like I said, and I'd look at these girls and and why were they like that? And there was just something really wrong with me from beginning to end. You know, I knew it was wrong, you know, bad, wrong. I felt ugly, stupid, you know, all those things. So, um, anyway, but it was, it was just actually a physical discomfort along with the emotional discomfort that I had. Um, but, um, anyway, so I was, like I said, just binging out of control and it just was getting worse and worse and, um, I'll tell my pizza story because I haven't told it in a long time, right? So I get tired of telling it, but, um... Just, I'd go on date, you know, I'd go on dates with uh, my boyfriends, you know. Well, I didn't have that many. Okay, but my boyfriend and I were at the drive-in, I'll tell you this date, this story. And um, so he goes to the snack bar and he buys, you know, this big thing of food. You know, and I figure, I wonder if he's, I know he's got to be an AA or dead or something, but I'm thinking, I wonder if he was a compulsive overeater because he ate like, I did, I think. Now that I think that, well, maybe, you know, he couldn't because I got it before he could. You know what I mean? I guess maybe I was the one eating it all, and I just wanted to think he was eating as much as I was. Anyway, but he goes, brings back all this food, and um, then he says, I'll be right back. I'm going to the bathroom. So he leaves me, you know, with the pizza and all this crap, you know, candy, um, popcorn, you know, sodas, and then, you know, of course, we had beer in the back seat. So, you know, we were set. Anyway, so he goes, and I eat the whole pizza before he comes back from the bathroom. And I can remember thinking, oh, he's going to come back and want some pizza, you know what I mean? And he said, comes back, I still remember this, comes back and gets in the car and goes, where's the pizza? I still remember that. And I just said, I ate it. And he couldn't believe it. He goes, you what? You, you what? It wasn't one of those giant pizzas. You know, it was like a, uh, I don't know if anybody here ever went to the drive-in, but it was like drive-in movie kind of size pizza. But anyway, but that's how I ate, you know, and I couldn't restrain myself even on a date. You know what I mean? With the boy that you would think, you know, I was never myself. Um, 
well, after a few drinks, but you know what I'm saying? It was like, but, um, so that's what, that's how I ate, like I said. And, um, and I couldn't stop it and I couldn't restrain it. That's just what I did, you know, trying to feel comfortable or that it was just my response to life. You know, I was so in fear, fear from my earliest memory, you know, just gripped me. I was gripped by fear. And, um, so, like I said, the only way I knew how to get through the day was to eat and uh, like that. So it just progressed and progressed. And um, uh, by the time I was um, 19, I got married to an older man. And, you know, he was going to fix me. And he tried to fix me for a long time. You know, God bless him. He did. He tried. And, um, you know, I was 19 years old, and I was... Um, you know, I was a compulsive overeater. I wasn't overweight. Like, I weighed, you know, less than I weigh now, but I thought I felt fat and ugly, all this, you know. So anyway, so I was already a compulsive overeater, though, um, an alcoholic. I um, was living on Valiums. Like, I couldn't get through a day without that, you know what I mean? And I was a mess. And, um, you know, and the, so anyway, so he... Uh, and he's no was no kind of an addict, you know what I mean? And so he wanted he was the poor guy, he was just trying to fix me and that's why I married him. That's the insanity. I married him to fix me and then I was pissed off because he was trying to fix me, you know? So anyway, he couldn't win. So, um Okay, so then what? Oh yeah, so I was always whining about being fat. And I wasn't fat, but I felt just you know. So, um so I went to the doctor, and anyway, so I went on one of the, my first diet was that cra- one of those crazy pregnant women's urine shots diets, and you eat 500 calories, and it's very expensive, and you know, all that. And because it wasn't expensive, then it probably didn't work, is how I thought, because if something was free and it worked, everybody would be doing that. Is that ironic? Because this is free, and nobody wants to do it, and it works, you know what I mean? So anyway, but that's how they're all thinking out there, I'm sure, you know. So this is this is um, my thinking. So anyway, so I went on this diet, and I got very sick. I lost, like, I don't remember how much weight I lost, maybe 20 or 25 pounds. And, um, you know, I still wasn't okay, but, you know. so And I got real sick and because um, I was hardly eating anything. But... Um, and then, of course, I stayed that weight for, like, maybe a day. And that's not an exaggeration, you know, because then I started binging immediately, you know. So this whole and complete and utter insanity that we're going to go on these diets and then start eating how we ate before, and we were going to stay at the weight that we were, when, you know, when we quit this diet. So um, that's just what I did, though. And um, then I started that cycle that I'm sure you've all heard of, you know, that um, putting it all back on plus 20 pounds, you know, plus 30, plus whatever. So I worked my way back up, you know. And um, anyway, so it just continued like that, trying these crazy diets and then uh, losing the weight and then gaining it all. And I was a lifetime member of Weight Watchers, you know, and all that stuff. And then I got pregnant when I was about 24, and um, 
I gained 60 pounds, 65 pounds, and my daughter was a month premature, and she weighed 6 pounds, 10 ounces of that. But it was great because, I mean, I ate with complete and utter abandon. Before when I ate, you know, I felt guilty about, you know, but I thought nobody can give me a bad time now because I'm pregnant. And so, um, so I got, and people would say, well, you know, it's not when you get when you, the more weight you gain, the harder childbirth is. My childbirth, I was in labor for 45 minutes. And so that's a, that is, I'm sorry, big lie. At least it was for me. But anyway, so, um, so, um, th- but I lost all my weight after my daughter was born. There's a picture of her when she's about eight or nine months in there. And I had lost all the weight. But how I lost the weight was, I, um, would eat like two eggs a day and go to the gym every day. So, you know, that was real healthy. But, um, <clears throat> but of course, then I gained it all back and, uh, you know, more and more and more and more. And by the time, uh, well, I did go to, I, okay, by the time I was about 32 maybe, I went to Overeaters Anonymous and, um, I got a sponsor, and I called my sponsor for about, um, uh, I don't know, 30 days. And, you know, supposedly I worked the first three steps, which I never did, and I never did my inventory. And um, I I didn't eat sugar, though. The only thing I, you know, and sporadically I'd go to meetings and all that. So the only thing I did was, I, I did abstain, the miracle was, from sugar for two years. And, which was a miracle, and my weight stayed about the same for two years, and that's the only time in my whole adult life that I maintained a weight. I was always either up or down or up or down. So um, that was amazing, but then, of course, because I wasn't doing anything, I wasn't in the program, I wasn't working the steps, so all I had left was to eat again, you know, because that's the only way I know how to live without this program. So I started binging. I remember somebody gave me this beautiful box of chocolates at Christmas. So, you know, that just set me off, and there I was again. And so in my 20s, I could go on a diet and lose the weight. And by the time I got into my 30s, I couldn't, I never could stay on a diet more than a week, you know. And then by the time I was in my 40s, forget it, I was scared to death. I was hopeless by this point, you know. I I um, tried sporadically to come back to Overeaters Anonymous, but I, you know, I'd go to a couple meetings and I couldn't do it and I couldn't get abstinent. And um, so, so anyway, um, I just was, I, I was scared to death to even think about going to a meeting because the minute I decided I was going to, I mean, not going to a meeting, I was scared to death to think about going on a diet because any time I'd think that I was going to go on a diet, I'd start binging and I'd gain 10 pounds, you know? And I was scared to death because I thought, I can't, I, I can't go on a diet because I'm going to start binging and I'm just going to gain even more weight. You know, I'm just going to be at least 100 pounds overweight for the rest of my life. I'm just going to be fat for the rest of my life because I didn't know what else to do. So anyway, so by this point, um, let's see, 
1994, eight years ago. Um, so anyway, so I was married to this man for 23 years who was, you know, like I said, trying to fix me. And um, eight years ago, finally, poor guy, I left. And um, my daughter and I moved to Long Beach. And one of the first things I did was I found out where o- the Overeaters Anonymous meeting was because I knew that was the only thing that was going to help me. Um, or therapy, I thought, or I'll go to therapy, which I've been in therapy many times in my life, and it never helped me with the weight. You know, it's fine for things, but for me, it never helped me with the weight. And so um, so I knew, of course, you know, my life at this point was I didn't have a job. I was going through a divorce. I was 100 pounds overweight and drinking every day and so that was the picture of me in my life. And, you know, it was that what you hear over and over in these rooms, the drapes drawn <clears throat> on the sofa with the remote control and my alcohol and food. I didn't, you know, when people would come over, I remember just white-knuckling it, white-knuckling it because I couldn't wait for them to leave. Because, you know, I didn't have a job and... I wasn't going to share my food or my alcohol with them, you know, because then there'd be less for me, and I didn't have that much money to, to spend. So, um, and and I do. All I wanted was that drink or that or some or the food, and I just wanted them to leave, and I couldn't wait till they left so I could go do that. And so, um, so that was it. That was my life. So I found out, but but the irony is, you know, here I'm thinking I'm going to go to therapy and spend $100 a week when I didn't even have a job. You know what I mean? It's all such crazy thinking, the way I think anyway when I'm using, you know. So I found out where the Overeaters Anonymous meetings were, and it took me about a year to go, you know. And um, it's a Friday night meeting over there in Long Beach. I finally went, and it took me about another year get asked to ask somebody to sponsor me and um so um so I walk you know I finally did I saw the one person in the room who was actually losing weight because the reason I walked in these doors was because I didn't want to be overweight anymore I didn't want to be fat anymore and so um so this woman was losing weight so I asked her to be my sponsor and I had no idea. It was just completely God. You know, it is completely God. I have no idea why I walked in that room and I had the willingness that night to do what I was told to do and ask somebody to help me. I have no idea. I know that this is epidemic, you know, in this country especially. And why I, you know, I still wonder, why did I get here? Why did I get to be abstinent? And you know what? I don't know. I know that, um, you know, it has nothing to do with me. It really doesn't. This is just a gift. I don't know why I'm abstinent and why somebody else isn't. I'm just so grateful that I am today. And, you know, I used to think, well, if the closer to death you are, the easier it would be to be abstinent. But you know what? It's not because I've seen people come in these rooms and die that couldn't get this program and they couldn't get abstinent, you know? So I don't know. And why did I, why am I here with five years abstinent? I don't know. Um, You know, it's just, I'm so grateful. 
<clears throat> a friend of mine is very sick, and she um, is having a real hard time staying abstinent. And, you know, I know if she could be abstinent today, she'd be abstinent, you know. Um, so anyway, but um, so this woman, you know, asked me what I was going to do, you know, what, what my food plan was going to be. I had no idea. I just said, like I said, I can't believe that I was willing to do this, but I just said, what do you eat? And she told me what she ate, so I ate what she ate. And she told me to call her at the same time every day, tell her what I was going to eat, and write and read her what I had written. And I thought, or I think it was at 6.30 at night I was supposed to call her. And I remembered thinking, first of all, just calling somebody at the same time every day. I, there was no way I was going to do that. And then tell her what I'm going to eat and then eat what I told her I was going to eat. You know what I mean? All that stuff. And I thought, oh, you know, this isn't going to last. But, you know, it did. And I still call her uh, three days a week, you know. So, um, like I said, it's just completely God. And that first year... You know, I have a hard time remembering very much about that first year um, and what I did exactly. You know, when people say, like, what did you do, you know, working the steps that for, you know, when you're new. And, and I can't remember but because I was in such a fog. And um, all I know is that I took direction. Um, you know, I just did what my sponsor told me to do. I... Um, I um I wrote every day, you know, and read to her what I had written and um went to a lot of meetings and I did a lot of service and um sponsored other people and that's what I did. You know, that's just kind of what kept me going that first year. And then I remember my first inventory um that first year and what I do remember about that is writing um and thinking I will never be able to read this to anybody, you know. And I remember just thinking, you don't have to read it to anybody today. Just write it down. Because I did write, I did write about things that I thought I would go to my grave with, you know, that I would never tell another human being. And, you know, when it came time to read it, I just read it, you know. Um, you know, I'm not saying it was easy, but... But um, I just did it, you know. Um, so, And that's what I learned here, just to do it, to take the contrary action. Because face it, if my ideas were working and anything I thought was working, I'd be out there. I sure as hell wouldn't be in Overeaters Anonymous. And I sure as hell wouldn't be doing all the things that I do, you know what I mean, today. Um, so nothing was working, and I just was struck, you know, with the willingness to take direction and not fight about it and not, and because, you know, doing what I want to do, I'm sitting on the couch eating and drinking, and that's, you know, what my mind tells me I want to do, and so um, I'm just fat and drunk, you know, when I'm doing what I want to do. So, um, so I had to take the contrary action, too, and, you know, just, and then I'm so grateful, you know, you know, we, we come here and we get a book that tells us how to live our lives. Exactly. The answers to everything are is in that book. And so um, I, it's just uh, amazing to me. You know, we're so lucky. Um, but, um, and I remember when I first started reading the book thinking, this is like dead old stuff. You know what I mean? Bill's story. 
that, what, more fever ran high in a small New England town, and I thought, what the hell is this? I did, you know, like, and um, I'm going to have to read this, you know. And anyway, so, but, and now I read it, and, you know, God just talks to me when I read it today, you know. But anyway, so I'll speed ahead. But, you know, the steps, I'm so grateful. Um, you know, in step two, just it's just, I got that step by seeing the miracle of this program work in other people's lives. And still today, I'll forget what's happened in my life and when I see it in somebody else and the change, you know what I mean? It just is such a miracle for me. But, um, you know, six and seven are just like, I guess, you know, the root of my program, I guess, because... um, Anyway, I go to a, a, let me just say real quick, I do all those things I did when I was newly um, abstinent. You know, I sponsor people and go to meetings and do service and all that kind of stuff. And then I go to a, uh, two step studies, one in each program, monthly step study. And I would, you know, if somebody's struggling with anything like that, it really has helped me so much in the last year um, doing the step study um, I love it. It's just, um, you know, now we're doing uh, step four, and so, of course, I'm doing another fear inventory. And um, my sponsor told me also, like, pause during the day and remember the things that took courage that you've done, you know. So, um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just, this program has changed my life. And, you know, it can work. It, it can work for anybody, you know. Um I'm just so grateful to God because it totally and completely is God. And, um, you know, I had, like, some real uh, – I went on vacation. I hope I don't start crying. But I went to um, – mm, I am going to start crying, I think um, – to Cuba this, uh, about a month ago. I was there for two weeks. And um, my parents, as I said, were born there. And it was just really um, – just a real spiritual experience there and um, I was just so grateful that I got to make that trip because before this program I wouldn't have done it I would have been too much in fear and um, I never would have went you know it wouldn't have been the same and if I did go it wouldn't have been the same trip and I got to go there and be of service you know to somebody we've I've found some of my mother's family there and you know they're very poor there and oppressed and anyway so um so, you know, I, we can help them now. And um, my cousin and I went um, together, and she's in, an, in Overeaters Anonymous, too. She has about seven months of abstinence. And um, I took my big book and the 12 and 12, and we um, had a meeting. And one night um, I ended the meeting. I said, well, I'll read the, the St. Francis prayer, which is my favorite prayer. And the line... Um, um, you know, where there is despair, let me bring hope. Just, it was so amazing because I've read that prayer so many times, you know. And, um, you know, I felt like I lived that um, that line, you know, in that prayer. But, um, you know, it just really is. It's just the miracles that uh, happen in this program. Um, should I stop and uh, do questions? Okay. Anyway, it just, um, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know why I'm abstinent today. Uh, I'm just incredibly grateful um, that I am. Um, 
um, you know, God just has changed my life. And it is God. It's totally God, like I said, because, you know, on my own, I'm fat and drunk and miserable. And, um, you know, I get to be of service to other people today, to my mother, you know, to my daughter, to, um, you know, I didn't get uh, absent until my daughter was um, almost 21. And so, you know, my amends to her... um, really is, you know, to keep my mouth shut, you know, because this poor kid, you know, um, I mean, I was controlling this poor kid's life, you know, her whole life, and um, and today I don't have to do that. You know, I'm not saying I don't want to sometimes open my mouth on that phone, but, you know, I've learned in this program I don't have to do everything I want to do, you know. So, um, you know, I make my amends to my daughter, and so I get to be you know, a better friend, a better daughter, and a better mother today. So I'm just really grateful and um, just really happy to be here and um, that I got to come and share. And happy birthday again to Zan, who I've known now for a few years and has just really helped me so much in my program. Thank you. So um, anyway, that's it. I guess I'll stop now, huh? And that is- or do I do questions here? Does anybody have a question? Yeah. With what? With problems that are part of the real world. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, how I work step three in my daily life. Okay. Um, do you want, should I read it? Made a decision. Turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understand Him. Well, you know, that's a daily thing for me. Um, you know, being a complete control freak. So, <clears throat> because, you know, I think I got pretty quickly that I was powerless over the, um, you know, that food and all that and the alcohol. It was the, um, you know, the rest of my life. So, I don't know. It's a daily, uh, it's just a daily, uh, I mean, I pray every day. I say the serenity prayer. Um, You know, and I ask God to just show me his will. Some days, you know, like Friday, I had had kind of a bad week. And Friday, I just got up really early and just started praying the serenity prayer and asked God just to show me where I could be of service today, you know. and so just, that's just what I do. You know, I try to remember as, as often as I can, um, you know, where I can be of service, to ask God where I can be of service, and um, to ask for his will, you know, and not mine. So, um, you know, and if I become too entrenched in something, too, I know, you know, it's all about my will and not God's will, you know. So it's just daily. I just have to remind myself of all those things you know the first three steps yeah I think about every day in the morning before I get out of bed and my character six and seven you know those character defects that's such a huge thing for me I don't know the the six and seven the I know your question was about three but um anyway okay I'm sorry I hope that answered your question and you had a question No. Uh, yeah. 
Okay, well, what, right, I, I grew up a Catholic, and, um, you know, I'm not one of those angry Catholics that hate the Catholic Church. I'm no longer a practicing Catholic, but I had a very good experience for the most part. I loved the nuns. You know, most people have horror stories about the nuns. I loved them. I wanted to be a nun because I liked the outfits mainly. But, you know, <laughs> I did. But, um, um, anyway, so, um, and, but I didn't have... You know, I I didn't trust God. You know, I didn't understand that I could go to God, that I could fill myself with God. You know, it was still about self-will. I didn't get that connection between going to church and, you know, God. And um, so, I don't know. I got here, though, and it was, like I said, seeing step two work in other people's lives. You know, I saw God changing other people. And then it became easier, you know, to to see how God was changing my life. And then it was just little by little practicing it, you know, asking God. You know, and it's such a relief to trust God. You know, I think, what was I hanging on to all that for all those years? You know, it was so hard. And I think back now how it was when we're running the show and how much pressure that is. And I think, no wonder I had to eat and drink. You know what I mean? No wonder. I mean, being out there and running the show and being in control like we think we are is so much pressure. You know, I don't even know how to get through a morning. And, you know, here I was thinking I was going to run my life and my daughter's life and everybody else's life that came into contact with me, you know. So it's such a relief. I think I came here and I saw what a relief it was to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. And so little by little, it became easier and easier to do. And my this last trip... um, since I got back, it's I've had spiritual experiences that God just showed me that He I don't have to worry, you know, He's taken care of it and I don't have to worry about it, you know, and that's where I am today. And that's what I got from this program and it was just by little by little practicing these steps and you know, and um asking God to um show me his will, you know. So, anyway, that's it. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, um, you spoke just a little bit about your husband being older and so on. How has your recovery transformed the relationship between you and him if he's still alive? Yeah, he is. Um, huh? Oh, um, the relationship with my husband, how recovery has change that okay well it has well what helps really immensely is that he now lives in Colorado so (laughs) but um no um I made my amends to him when I did my first inventory and in my first year and he was very um you know gracious about it and um and you know, we don't see each other that often, and um, but, um, you know, I, I, you know, we're nice to each other, and um, so I think, you know, the making, 
amends helped a great deal to clear a lot of the air, you know, between us. But as I said, my daughter, my daughter's going to be 26. So, you know, we and he lives in Colorado, so it's not like I have small children, you know, connecting us and we see each other a lot. But, um, you know, things are fine um, between us, I think, you know. I mean, I, I hope he's happy, and I'm sure he hopes I'm happy, you know. And But... Um, but that ninth step really helped a lot. Mm-hmm. What do you do when you really have a bad day? Everybody seems to be a jerk. That was cleaning it up. <laughs> you seem to run into one jerk after another after another, and you just really want to eat or drink. What do you do? Well, um,. I know, first of all, when I have days like that, that the problem's with me. You know, today I know that. I don't like to admit it. You know, when I'm saying I want to blame them. But I know that the problem's with me. And if it's really bad, which I've done, you know, I call my sponsor and we talk about it. And then she has me write about it, you know. So I work the steps on it. And then I don't eat or drink, you know. Today, I have to say... um, you know, I don't get the urge to eat uh, compulsively or eat candy or sugar. That obsession has been lifted um, completely for that kind of thing. And I don't know why. It's just God, but the obsession is lifted with that. I never get the urge to go out and buy, like, two dozen donuts or even one donut. Because when I look at that stuff today, and this is a miracle for somebody like me, is that I don't have the urge to eat it. I know where I'd go if I ate it. And um, I just remember the obsession of trying to get enough. And it's never, ever been enough. And I know there are not enough donuts, cookies, candy, Snickers bars, any of that for me in the entire world. You know, so I know that today. But the obsession has been lifted. So, And I just work the steps, you know, so... Sometimes, you know, and when I'm in the most pain is when usually I'm the most willing to work the steps. Because today, I don't want to be in that pain. It's harder to sit in that pain today the longer I've been abstinent, you know. So, um, but pain is the great motivator for me. So, anyway, does anybody else have a question? No? Oh, mm mm-hmm. Thank you. What is your name? Oh, my name is Lynette. Lynette. I'm Lynette. All right. Um, I'm relatively new back in the way. I'm thirty-eight days. Excuse me. Oh, time. Okay. Do you have to completely separate your programs, or do you see that you're eating and drinking the same thing? How do you balance that? Well, I go to both meetings, but it is connected completely for me. Um, but I have to go to both meetings. And so that's what I do. You know, I um, I just split my meetings because I need them both. You know, I can't stay abstinent in AA and, you know, they're all eating all kinds of crap. No, but but um, <laughs> anyway, but and and and, yeah, and I need Overeaters Anonymous, you know, because that was my first addiction from my earliest memory. So I am a compulsive overeater first and foremost, you know. 
I do, I have to say, though. The thing, I never think about eating cookies, but every once in a while I'll look at a glass of wine and think, it looks good, but, you know, I haven't. But anyway, so never mind. Okay, great. Thank you.